You're listening to So You Want to Be a Photographer with Gina Militia, one of Australia's leading portrait celebrity and lifestyle photographers. With over 25 years' experience in the industry, Gina is a pro photographer who regularly travels the world shooting for some of the country's top magazines and advertisers. She is author of four best-selling books on photography, runs workshops and mentors aspiring photographers all around the world. In conversation with journalist, interviewer and budding amateur photographer Valerie Koo, Gina reveals what it takes to build a successful photography business, provides a sneak peek into life behind the lens and talks about her tips and techniques to get the perfect shot. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 356 of So You Want to Be a Photographer. My name's Valerie Koo and I'm here with Gina Malisha. How are you, Gina? I'm great, Val. How are you going? Good, good. What's happening in the world of Gina? Uh, so we're also in lockdown now in <laughs> Melbourne. I think half the country's in lockdown. So uh, navigating my way through that. <laughs> Um, actually very, very proud of myself today. So we always on this show talk about like having a go at stuff and not being afraid to give something a go. Obviously you decided one day to give, uh, art a go and, you know, started with macrame. (laughs) Now you're into back in painting and, and, uh, it's all going really well. So I'm big on all of that. And I was raised to, you know, give stuff a try, even if you've got no clue how to do it. So this week, Val, in lockdown, when you can't get a tradesperson to your house, my dishwasher (gasps) decides to not stop working, which is like not the greatest disaster in the world. Okay. You don't have to feel sorry for me, but I'm just like, it's part of the story. It's important. So I'm like, all right. And I start looking it up and it's like, you know, it's probably between seven and 10 years old. And I look at like what could possibly, oh, that's the pump. The pump's broken. Is it worth fixing? And people are saying, probably not. You might have to get a new Mm. one. And, and then, have a chat to my brother and he's like, why don't you fix it? I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, fix it. He's like, get on YouTube, put the model of the the dishwasher that you've got. Someone would have done a YouTube video on how to fix it. So I'm like, all right, I will. <laughs> Challenge accepted. So I go on YouTube. It took me maybe five, six different videos. You have to, you have to dig a yeah. bit to find a style that explains it all properly, right? Yeah. And some are... Some are good, some are, and we talked about this last week on the show, some are just like, don't bother mm-hmm. telling me anything. But I, from the five videos that I watched, I got a little bit from each of them, right? And I managed to cobble together what I thought was the problem, worked out how to pull the, the components out that I needed to get rid oh of, and it and I put it all back together, started it, and it started and I was celebrating and then it stopped again and then I had an and then should I have given up at this point could have and this is like very similar to learning photography you'll go you'll get this false sense of security think you're doing it right and then something will you know you'll stumble and get it wrong at that point a lot of people give up I could have but I'm like something in me went no have another go and, you know, that the burning desire to not have to hand wash dishes <laughs> kept me going. And so I had another go. I had to take everything back out again, pull it all apart, pull the bits out, found the bit that could possibly be blocked, 
got it um, unblocked, found the motor bit that should have been the spinny bit. I'm using all the technical terms. Mm. Got it to spin again, like gave it a bit of love, put it all back together, started it. It worked. I felt like Rocky, just cue Rocky music now. (laughs) I was so proud of myself. I reckon I saved probably in getting someone over to do it, probably, you know, about 500 bucks. Wow, well done. So what are you going to spend the $500 on instead? (laughs) I did. I used that. Oh, my God. I used that thinking, bought new shoes. Did you? Yeah. Okay. Online. Yeah. Yeah. All right. That's what you do. It's it's like, yeah, so I'm really proud of myself. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Okay, so listeners, this isn't the podcast How Stuff Works or So You Want to Be a Dishwasher. Yes, but it is. It it is. I brought that back to photography, Val. It's like have a go. Have a go. What could go wrong? (laughs) Like I could have – I could have – all right, the dishwasher still didn't work. That would have been the worst result. But in the end, I got the best result. It worked. All right. So what's been happening with the gold community this week, Gina? So we just did the AMA last week. The Ask Me Anything. Ask Me Anything, which was fantastic. And I've just completed and they've just shared this uh, a new tutorial where like often, um, you know, in an ideal world, we think that all locations are beautiful, beautifully styled. You've got high ceilings. There's like lots of space. You've got space to get back. You've got, uh, you know, up teen different backdrops that you can draw on. That's what we all think in our head when we're about to go to a, a new location, you know, whether the client says come to my house or, you, you know, commercial client has booked you. This is the location we've picked. And the reality is, and you know this, Val, you've worked on enough um, gigs to know that the reality is it's often not the case that you get space and free of clutter. And so I found a uh, place that it was an actual job that I was doing that I recorded where it was very, very cluttered and there was mm. like zero good clear spaces. And so I created a tutorial on how to make the most of these locations and what it is like I'll walk you through what it is that I look for uh to to create an ideal portrait shoot in you know limited and and cluttered and uh you know cucker backgrounds brilliant um okay and uh these are the kind of tutorials that you'll find in the gold community so if you want to find out a little bit more about the gold community have a listen to this This podcast is brought to you by the Gold Community. If you're wondering what it's like to be a member of the Gold Community over at GinaMilitia.com, I asked Natalie Finney why she joined. I think the point at which I decided to turn it into a business was um, when I actually had been listening to the podcast for a while and I took took the plunge and joined the Gold Community without knowing too much about it. And it was right at that point that I said, I think... I really think I could do something with this. Certainly, um, in terms of learning for me and technical ability, um, I have gotten so much value out of workshops online Mm. and the gold community, obviously all the tutorials that I have access to. has been like completely in, invaluable to to me and my learning. I I have you know I've had some 
um, you know, done some reading mm. books and so and so. But yeah, I think um, yeah, online online workshops and and tu- and watching tutorials, watching, for example, you, you know, you going through. Um, photo shoots and um, explaining how, you know, why uh, why you would do this or why you wouldn't necessarily choose that setting and um, all of that has been like, yeah, an absolute world of wonder for me. If you'd like to find out more about the Gold community, head to GinaMilitia.com and click on Memberships. All right, so let's move on to this week's topic, which is finding joy and fulfillment in photography with guest Pauline Clem. Now, tell us, Gina, about Pauline. Yeah, so Pauline Clem is a a member of the podcast community and also a member of the Gold community. Now, she has only been shooting for three years and this, like, I've just wanted to bring you this story because it, it's just such a fantastic story uh, and I think a lot of people will get inspiration out of this. So Pauline Clint had a, a like a sliding doors moment. We, we all know what that movie, Sliding yeah. Doors. Do I need to elaborate on that uh, analogy that, you know? You, That's okay. You, you, there are times <laughs> in your life when you can make one decision or another decision. So she had one of these sliding doors moments three years ago and it completely changed her life. So in 2017, her brother, her older brother, Michael, who was a gifted photographer, uh, died tragically in India. And um, she made a decision one day to, like after they'd, um, you know, uh, gone and, and, and recovered him and brought him back and all his gear, she, she decided to keep his camera and learn about photography. This is only like three years ago as a way of sharing his legacy. Um, And what is beautiful is often, you know, out of the most um, testing moments in our life, there are great gifts and learning opportunities and often beautiful moments. And so this decision that she's made has has turned – into like the most beautiful gift uh, for Pauline and uh, she's grown and evolved in all of these exciting ways. So I think have a listen to the to the episode. If you've ever been someone who's on the fence about uh, embracing photography later in life, like uh, Pauline is uh, a, little, a little bit older, uh, like about the same age as me basically, and um, she's just getting into photography now, um, then I think you should have a listen to this and I think for everyone. So we chat about uh, a lot, lots of uh, really interesting things like, you know, the making the pilgrimage back to India, the moment that Pauline decided to keep Michael's camera and how that changed her life forever and, you know, the importance of mentors in education, dealing with her imposter syndrome, uh, the importance of slowing down, uh, benefits of working with assistance and then how it led her to her latest personal project that she's working on now, which is turning into really um, very, very exciting developments on that one. So um, have a listen and I hope you enjoy it. Pauline Clem, welcome to the show. How are you going? Oh, hi, Gina. Um, I'm really well. 
It's really ex- well. How are you? I'm good. I'm very excited to chat to you. And I know I can say, how are you going to a fellow Australian without there being a long pause? And for a long time, <laughs> I used to say that to international guests and there was all, always a pause because they were confused. They're like, what? what is this woman now saying? How are you going? Where am I going? I'm not going anywhere. So basically, <laughs> how can, are you going? We, how are you going is Australian for how are you? <laughs> yeah, we can use all the Aussie slang we want. We can go full Aussie <laughs> here. Uh, all right. Well, before I start, where in the world are you? Obviously, you're in Australia, but where in Australia? Mm-hmm. Okay. So I'm in Melbourne. And I'm about 45 minutes east of the CBD in a region called the Yarra Ranges, which is um, a stunningly beautiful landscape. So I'm very lucky to live here. Fantastic. And you've got a pretty interesting day job that your your corporate sponsor. Uh, what is it that you do there, Pauline? Uh, well, my day job is actually I'm a nurse. Mm. Uh, so I work in an operating theatre. I've done that for 33 years. So my actual job is a anaesthetic and recovery room nurse. So I assist an anaesthetist when people are going to sleep and I look after them when they're asleep and then when they wake up in recovery, you know, I look after them, give them pain relief. Um, yeah, so, you know, it's a really satisfying job and I, I do love my job, yeah. Super important job too, so thanks for what you do. Um, now, with photography, it, it's sort of in, the story about how you got into your photography is really interesting and um I've just lifted a paragraph out of your bio where you talk uh-huh. about your brother Michael Mm -hmm. was responsible for my love of and obsession with the captured image. A gifted photographer, he died tragically in India. His death was a watershed moment in my life. Taking up his camera and obsession with the story behind the image has irrevocably transformed my life. It is his gift that comes through my photos, a part of his soul and each image that I give to you. Now, I can remember uh, three years ago uh, receiving a an email from you where you talked about um, your brother and how important it was for you to understand photography as a, as a way of getting closer to him. So, uh, are you able to 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 share that story with us of um, how how you came to photography? Um, yeah, I'd love to because it's uh, an integral part of my life, and yeah, as you mentioned, the reason why I got into photography. Um, so, uh, okay, so I come from a family of eight children. Yeah, of course, we're Catholic, <laughs> and. I'm the youngest. I had two brothers, Michael and Peter. Um, both of them are deceased. Um, so they were similar in a lot of ways, very creative, but at the same time they were very different. Um, my brother, Michael, he was, um, oh, how can I describe him? He was a person who found life very hard. Uh, He was larger than life. You know, he could light up a room when he walked into it, but at the same time 
He lived a life um, that was very dark and troubled at times. He was like a lot of creatives, you know, um, like Da Vinci and Van Gogh. He was he had an intellect that I believe was on the Mensa level. Um, but in his own personal life, he was very troubled. He was always looking for the reason why he was like he was. You know, I think he probably had undiagnosed Asperger's. Um, so towards uh, he died in India in 2018 when he, he just turned 60, but probably the preceding decade um, he was trying to trying to work out his life. You know, his his mm. personal life was a shambles. Um, and he had lots of highs and lows. Um, he travelled a lot in his life and he was a very gifted photographer. You know, he, he was managed to convey the story behind the image in an incredible incredibly personal way, you know. So he connected with humanity in his images, but in his personal life he kept to himself. He had no friends because of the way he lived his life. So um, he is his life, as I said, was a shambles and he decided to divest himself of everything that he owned and go to India. He'd already been there three or four times and really connected with the spiritual side of India. And so he uh, told his family that he was going to sell all his possessions, um, divest himself of everything in this world and go to India to basically try and sort his life out. And he said, if I can't sort it out, I'm not coming back. Mm -hmm. So he went to India in uh, July 2018, basically with a backpack with his camera and laptop and a duffel bag of his clothes. And six weeks later, my sister got a call from the Australian uh, embassy saying that he was found dead on the side of a road in a northern Indian city called Udapur. Um, so anyone that's had a, a death mm. of a family member overseas would understand how we felt. Um, I was surprised, you know, it wasn't, I wasn't surprised, but I was surprised that he lasted only six weeks. Um, so the following week was a week I'll never forget. It was absolutely crazy trying to sort out what had happened. We, myself and four of my sisters, decided that we had to go over there to bring him home. And, you know, the night before we left, I had one of these crazy moments that you see on the car insurance ads, you know, I pretty much drove my car through the front garden of my house and almost into my house. My God. <laughs> my foot was hanging out the door as I did this and the door slammed on my foot. I thought I'd broken my ankle, you know, and and I couldn't believe I'd done this, but, like, my, my mind was just in a thousand pieces, yeah. you know. Anyway, 
my foot wasn't broken. I got on the plane the next day. We went there for a week, which he was cremated before we even got there. Um, we flew into Delhi. Two days later, we picked up his ashes um, and then got another plane to Udipur. Yeah. Um, we had organised a interpreter uh, to meet us there. He went to the police station with us. We went out to the place where he was found. Um, we never found out what happened to him, um, mm. which was really hard. Um, but at the same time, uh, you know, he, I realised that he would have been happy to die over there because he identified with India. We had a Hindu ceremony for him. Um, so the whole week was just an absolute incredible experience that I will never forget. And and plus we did a bit of sightseeing as well because he would have wanted us to do that. Yeah. You know, I went to the Taj Mahal, which was the most beautiful building I'll ever see in my mm. life. And then we brought him home and um, we left half his ashes in India uh, at a lake that the local Brahmin uh, recommended to us and then we brought his other ashes back to Melbourne and buried them with my mum and dad and my other brother Peter. And um, so, of course, then we had to sort out his affairs. Um, I decided, uh, well, not I, my family decided we were going to sell his laptop and his camera. He had a Samsung NX1. Yeah. Um, which is not a well-known camera, but at the time, you know, he did a lot of research before he bought that camera. And at the time when it was released, I think 2014, the reviews on it were amazing. It was, you know, ahead of its time. And so that's why Michael bought it. Um, so I took that camera into uh, Michael's camera shop in the city, you know, well-known. You would know Michael's camera mm -hmm. shop, which is now closed because of COVID. And I stood at the counter and the guy said to me, look, it's an amazing camera. You've got professional level lenses. Um, but unfortunately, Samsung has exited the camera market. And he said, we can't support it with, um, with parts. So we can only sadly offer you $500. Right. For it. And I stood at the counter and thought, oh, what do I do? I can't sell his pride and joy for 500 And um, I made a decision to turn around and walk out of the shop. And that decision was, like I said, it was a watershed moment in my life. You know, it caused me to pivot and turn in another direction. And I came home, said to my husband, you know, what do I do? I'm didn't want to sell it for 500 and he said, well, why don't you use it? And I said, I've got no idea how to use it. And he said, well, you know, you might like it. And I thought, okay, I might. So uh, that was just before Christmas and, you know, Christmas I was busy, didn't even have a chance to turn it on and I enrolled myself in a course. And first thing they said was, okay, turn the camera on and, and I looked at her and I didn't even know how to turn the damn thing on. <laughs> And I put my hand up and said, how do I turn it on? And so I came home and I said to my husband, oh, my God, I this is a mini computer. I have no idea how I'm going to use this. And that was the start. And, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Fast forward to now and it has 
um, transformed my life. It's like a, I, I'm picturing you in the, and that's thank you for sharing that story. It's like I can't imagine um, what you and your sisters must have gone through going back to India and bringing your brother home, and um, uh, it just must have been the most incredible experience. Because on the one hand, you're going through the the shock. It's not even grief at this point, is it? It's shock. Yeah. Um, but then on the other hand, you've got this amazing world of India in front of you. So it's the excitement as well. And so you must have gone through sort of periods of feeling like excited and then guilty for feeling excited. Um, yeah, the the emotions I felt after he died, like I never really cried for him because it just didn't feel like the best emotion for what happened to him. You know, mm. I think it was meant to happen. You know, he was like this star that he blazed through life, you know, burning bright, but unfortunately towards the end of his life um, it didn't, he's, you know, he wasn't burning that bright anymore. He was like a, a, a coal, you know, that, that when the wind blows on the coal it burns bright but then when the wind goes away it it becomes dull and that's what his existence was like and so I think the the you know a lot of cultures celebrate death you know it's a huge outpouring of emotion and I think for our family um the celebration of his death was our trip to India yeah and and my subsequent uh Decision to keep his camera, um, and through that, you know, I paid homage to him oh, and recognised his life. You know, every time the shutter releases, um, I pay homage to oh, him. That's so beautiful. That's such a beautiful way of looking at it. So there, there's this like sliding doors moment when you're in the camera shop and you turn and walk away and decide yeah. to have a crack. Now... Um, you're not a teenager, you're not in your early 20s, <laughs> like, you know, I think we're about the same no. age, Pauline, yeah. so yeah. it's like, you know, you're on the sort of, uh, you know, slightly older, yeah. you know. and My kids are growing up, exactly. yeah, they're all that so, time. Exactly, so here's this completely like it's lear- it's like learning, a, you know, a, a, a new, a completely new language. Yeah. Um, and you're the kind of person that, um, like, is. Would you say you're a perfectionist, Pauline? You like you like to um, do things really well, or I'm a perfectionist in certain areas, not all areas of my life. That is for sure. Um, but my son Angus said to me, you know, you said the thing I love about you, Mum, is that you focus one hundred percent on something that interests you and then he said you just seem to be able to turn the page and then focus 100% on something else so before I did photography I was um, interested in property so for five or six years that's all I did 100% all I did and then uh, when Michael died that passion just went drained out of me right and I remember after he died I was thinking I need something to fill my life you know I don't have that passion for for 
property anymore. It's just gone overnight. Yeah. Um, so then photography came along and and one thing I do do when I'm interested in something is I do focus on it 100%. You are all in, that's for yeah, sure. totally in. So you did uh, like a, a night course to try and work out how to turn the camera on and the kind yeah, of the basics. Yeah, yeah. And uh, what happened next? Well, when I did property, I used to, every time I got in the car, I would listen to a podcast. So I realised that, you know, if I spend whatever hours in the car per week, I could just get education quite easily just by listening to a podcast every time I jumped in the car. So, um, you know, I started, of course, reading everything I could on photography, but I thought, well, there must be a podcast on photography. And I listened to a few, then I thought, well, there must be an Aussie podcast, and that's how I found So You Want to Be a Photographer. And I started listening to your podcast and um, that, well, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be where I am now without that podcast and the mentoring. I I will just say that up front now. Um, So I listened to the podcast. Every book I read was on photography My breaks at work, uh, I read on photography. Um, I just uh, totally immersed myself in it and very quickly became obsessed with it. And I supposed for me, you know, the knowledge was connected to a strong emotion, you know, that connection to my brother. So I think when you have knowledge connected to emotion, it means much more to you and you assimilate it much easily. Yeah, and, and so did you feel that as you as your knowledge of photography grew, did you feel closer to your brother? Because I know that when I miss dad or I miss mm. my mum, if I miss my dad, I go into the garden and I instantly yeah. feel connected to him. When I miss my mum, I, I cook and instantly yeah. I'm connected back to her. Yeah. Is that the same yeah. sort of oh, as absolutely. your photography grows, now you kind of feel like you see or or understand, you get it, what, what it was his passion for photography was? Um, yeah, yeah, mm. definitely. It's a direct connection to him and – he he was a perfectionist with his images. He had a A3 size 12, uh, what do you call them, 12 jet um, inkjet, yeah, printer, printer yeah. at home. So he used to print his own images on Ilford paper. Right. He had all sorts of different paper. And he would print them over and over again until he got the image he wanted and he had, you know, like I've got the entire contents of his Mac um, on hard drives yeah. and with he's probably got maybe 40 or 50 Lightroom catalogues, you know, over 100,000 images. Yeah. Um, but he never showed anyone except his family. And, you know, he wanted to have an exhibition but he never got round to it. So for me... My photography is an extension of him in that um, I'm trying to achieve what he never achieved. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, definitely that, that connection 
to him, I feel like he's sitting on my shoulder all the time. Yeah, yeah, and and I think so. I think originally, the idea was to to continue and have a, an exhibition for him of his work, yeah. but it's kind yeah. of grown now, hasn't it, Pauline? Yeah. As your education grows, so after yeah. the podcast, uh, I think then you wanted to do a bit more of a deeper dive in your education, and so it's mm-hmm. around. I think 2000, late 2018 that I first, uh, you contacted me and you joined the goal community. What was yes. that experience like for your confidence and um, sort of uh, changing the goalposts from uh, just becoming an exhibition for your brother to something bigger? Um, okay. So I was all over the place up until then, you know, like um, I was trying to learn at, as fast as I could because I came into photography later in life I just felt like I had to catch up and that time was of the essence so um, joining the Goldies um, being mentored by you just accelerated that learning and um, made me focus in on the areas that I needed to, you know, like from the get-go, I never really took photos in auto mode. Even before I joined Goldie's, I was using manual, but, you know, I had no idea what I was doing and I just sort of couldn't figure out why my photos just looked absolutely crap. But I, you know, persisted with manual. So when I started Goldie's, you know, you had that, you had the course on getting off auto mm. onto manual. So I started that um, and, you know, went through a lot of the tutorials. But, you know, that's the value of being mentored. You know, um, I can't overstate that enough. Um, I, I just felt supported, you know, and putting the images up on the Facebook group and having them critiqued and sending them in to you, um, you know, it's just that's what I think you need to do if you if you want to accelerate learning in anything. You need a mentor. And the thing, this 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 thing with you accelerate. You keep saying accelerate, and what's the mm. thing that I'm constantly telling all of you to do? <laughs> what's the Slow t- down. Exactly, <laughs> because everyone when they, uh, you know, people listening to the podcast or who are gold members, and I was exactly the same. We're all in a mm. hurry. It's like, all mm. right. So if I consume as much education as possible, I'm going to reach my goal a lot yeah. faster and I can yeah. skip this bit and skip that bit and go straight to the bit where it's seven lights. And so I think when I when I first got my hands on you, it was like you were at that, no, I want to do this with seven lights and I'm at – you were always <laughs> 15 and I said, okay, we need to slow down mm. and I made you go back to the start and redo mm. a lot of stuff. So in that yeah. slowing down – it actually sped things up, didn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You made me go back to using natural light, um, which I did. You know, I've got a mannequin who I call Michael. You know, he's a really oh, attractive mannequin, isn't he? <laughs> yes. Um, he so, is. That's the 1950s. He's a, yeah, he's a, yeah, uh, yeah. a 1950s shop mannequin and he's yeah. uh, he is. He's gorgeous. He's got a six-pack yes. and he's got a really beautiful face. Mm. 
Um, so, yeah, I, I use him to practice lighting techniques and I did go back to natural light because I realised that I didn't understand it completely. And for those who are on the fence, what is that that going back and really understanding how to see natural light, how has that impacted the way that you work with flash? Um, oh, that's a good question. How has it impacted? Um, that's a hard one to answer, Gina. <laughs> but have you found that that, 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 that that whole slowing down because, like, you know, I, th- there are times when you struggled. I've been with you, like you've been on my mm-hmm. workshops, you've came yeah. to Sicily, you've done yeah. this other workshops with me, but I've seen you so frustrated because I've seen you in your mind you're 15 steps along and then it's like it's all too much. So how has the whole process of slowing down and going back to basics, how has that changed the way that you approach your photography now? Um, Well, before, you know, when I first started photographing people and even, you know, in Sicily, you taught me this, that, you know, I used to take a photo and then I'd go, thank you, and walk away. <laughs> and then I'd walk around the corner, look at it and go, oh, my God. You know, <laughs> I can't go back and ask them again, you know, and just walk off totally frustrated and angry at myself. Whereas um, now, you know, I'm, I still haven't arrived at the place where I really want to be, but I'm just light years ahead of where I was a couple of years ago. Yeah. You know, I've just slowed the whole process down. I do check my focus. I do um, really think about the light. You know, I look at the position of the sun um, in relation to my subject. I use my hand to sort of gauge differences in light intensity in the area that I'm working. Um, I look for garage lighting all the time. Yeah. Or I look for reflective surfaces that yeah. will act as a big reflector. Um, I'm always thinking, uh, where's the good light instead of where's the good location? Uh huh. Great. Um, yeah. And when I do get the light right, it's just, yeah, um, you know, it, it, it just brings the image to life. And you know, makes your subjects look amazing. And and the comments from people, you know, when you get that natural light yeah. correct, um, yeah, the comments from people reflect that they, you know, it's always amazing photo, beautiful, yeah, and it's it's the light. And that slowing down, it's not easy to do, but once you get it and you, like, you feel more in control, like yeah. telling someone, hang on a minute, I'm just going to check focus, where you just said yeah. you'd be the one that was, and I was doing this too when I started mm. out, run around the corner and go, oh, it's not sharp or I didn't get the light right. But when you go, yeah. hang on a minute, I'm just checking focus, I'm just checking lighting, how was that the first time you did it? Did you, like, feel nervous saying, oh, what oh, are they thinking? Yeah. Of? yeah, like inside my guts are churning. <laughs> no, um, it, they really are. And... It is a confidence thing, you know, but I what I've found is that I try and practice mindfulness during 
a shoot. So, you know, I concentrate on what I'm doing with my hands and what I'm seeing with my eye at the same time. And that really helps, you know, it mm. stops, it sort of quells the butterflies in the stomach. Um, but it, it's a confidence thing. And, and I've really lacked confidence, you know, like we've had this conversation before about imposter syndrome you know you've got a podcast on it yeah um i've had that in a massive way and i still really fight that feeling that i'm not good enough you know that i've only been doing this for three years yeah um that people are going to see through me and like i'm i'll just give an example a, a little while ago i photographed um, a couple of hairdressers in their sal- salon with with my man, Bubba Desi, that I'm mm-hmm. doing my personal project with. Which we'll, we'll and, get into this in Bubba in a, in a second. Yeah, yeah. and the, the hairdresser, she had a beauty light there. Like she photographed her clients after she'd done their hair and right. she'd say, oh, I've got a beauty light. Would you like me to set it up? And I had them in front of a large window with really nice natural light. Yeah. And she said, it'll make the lighting much better. And I said to her, um, you know, I, I said, oh, you know, no, I don't want to use that because it's bringing another, bringing another sort of lighting um, into the scene that I wasn't prepared for and I didn't want to use it. So I, I sort of very calmly resisted it. And she was always sort of saying, why are you doing that? You know, why are you dropping down so low? And she was a larger woman, so she was very conscious of how she was going to look. Right. But I walked out of there and I was proud of myself that I did control that shoot and didn't let her bring, um, you know, her beauty light in. And, yeah, so so I, I am getting better at it. I've got to work at it, but, you know, that's that's part of the personal development that you go through when you pick up a camera. Absolutely. All right. So um, from here, like I, I think a year ago you decided to start a personal project. Do you want to t- talk about how that started and um, how it's going? Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, um, you know, in your podcast you talk about the value of a personal project and a lot of the guests that you have on, you know, they talk about their personal projects. So, I did want to get one going. Um, originally, uh, I was going to do it on one of the laneways in Melbourne because uh-huh. since I've, I've started photography, I've um, discovered my city, really, um, yep. rediscovered it, and I love going into Melbourne doing street photography. So that's what I was going to do. Right. And there's a man that lives in the Yarra Ranges. His name is Baba Desi. Um, or the Belgrave Wizard, or his real name is Desmond Bergen, and he's 91 years old. And everybody knows him because he walks the roads um, and the hills dressed in really colourful clothing, Mm. reminiscent of a wizard sort of outfit Mm. with hat and handmade staffs of which he has about 260 yeah, you've got an incredible shot where you took a, a shot of all his staff. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, that's just some of them. Yeah. Um, 
And so he walks around dressed like this, and he's an urban legend up yeah. here. But he's also very well known in South Melbourne, St Kilda, the yeah. Bayside suburbs in Melbourne, you know. Um, so I remember 22 years ago when I moved up here, I was driving and drove past him and, you know, sort of did a double take and went, what the, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and... And I've always thought I want to photograph him. And anyway, one day I was driving through the main street of my little shopping strip and he was walking into the station. And I drove past and I thought, geez, I want to photograph him. And then I thought, stop saying you want to, you know, take some action. So I turned around, got out of my car, went up to the station, took my nursing ID with me for a bit of extra cred (laughs) and approached him. and said, I'd like to take your photo for my portfolio. I'm a photographer. And he said, oh, of course, you know, I've had my photo taken lots of times. I've been in this media and that media and I'm used to it. And I said, okay, well, could I um, have a chat with you over a coffee? You know, I'd like to get to know you a little bit more before I photograph you. He said, okay. So we met. And three hours later, I walked out of the cafe. Three hours? Yes. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> he pretty much told me his life story. Yeah. And I walked out and thought, oh, my gosh, this man's story needs to be told and documented. So I asked him if that was okay And that's how I started on this project, which has now um, just morphed into this massive undertaking that I can't believe I'm doing, but I'm doing it. Yeah. Um, And So, again, that that moment, so there's the moment in the camera store where you Mm. make that decision to keep Michael's camera. All right. Yeah, yeah. And then there's the moment in the car. There's that now yeah. you you were on your way where you were on your way somewhere and you saw oh, him. Yeah. Yeah, yeah right. Yeah. So you could have easily that inner voice could have just continued on and said, What what are you doing, Paulie? You're not gonna walk up to a stranger and phone him. Don't ring you ridiculous. What for? <laughs> He'll say no. He's probably busy. Who are you? Right? Mm, Obviously yeah. that 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 train of thought happened as well but you chose to no I'm going to do this approach him and just because you said yes to that moment it turns into a three-hour meeting what happens next um okay so that was just before Christmas yep and um He came to my house Christmas Day for lunch because I saw him a few days beforehand and said to him, oh, you know, Merry Christmas, what are you doing on Christmas Day? And he said, oh, nothing. And I went, really, nothing? He said, yeah, I'll be on my own. And I just thought how ironic that this man who is so loved in our community and so well-known, he's 91 and he's going to be spending the day on his own so he came to my place for lunch um my grandchildren just thought he was the ant's pants what a gift yeah my sons you know all knew him um, very happy to have him with us and I had my 89 year old uh, mother-in-law there who's as good as Desi as far as cognitive 
yeah. functioning. Those two chatted away. You know, they had a great time. So, yeah, so from then on, after Christmas, I started to spend every uh, spare minute I could with him. So basically, I immersed myself in his life. Um, he was very happy to have me there. I mean, what 91-year-old wouldn't want a woman in their life? You know, it was very flattering for him. And, you know, at a time in, you know, usually people who are 91, their life is contracting. Yeah. Um, his life is expanding um, through collaboration with me. Um, so... For the next six months, really, from Christmas up until now, um, it's been a process of getting to know him and him getting to know me and becoming comfortable with uh, having me around. Um, because I'm a nurse, um, I see the the things in his life that need attention from a health point of view. Mm. Um, I've connected him into aged care services, which he wasn't connected into. Right. He's basically a 91-year-old man living totally unsupported in his wow. community. You know, like when he's out, everyone knows him, loves him, talks to him. But when he goes home, he's on his own. Yeah. Um, you know, I did things like getting an electrician around. I just put a post call out on the Facebook page that I've started called The Bubba Desi Story. For an electrician to come around and have a look at the socket in his kitchen because I wasn't game to get up and have yeah. a look. So, you know, we got light back into his kitchen. He was cooking with a lamp, that's all. It was very dark in his kitchen. Um, I've helped him clear his front veranda. That took us six hours. It was impenetrable. Um, we got rid of all the stuff off his veranda. I've gone through two of his bedrooms, going through his literally thousands of pieces of clothing, um, which he wanted to do, but it was just too hard a task. So yeah. we did that together. We've still got his main bedroom to go through. But, I, you know, I said to him, I need to go through all your stuff, Des, so I can see what outfits you've got so I can photograph you. Yeah in them and just, you know, because it was a, a job too hard for him to do. So we've had this relationship form that's um, we're quite close now. Yeah. I've taken probably oh, 16, 1,700 images. Only some of them I would include in an exhibition. Um, the rest of them would make a great photo book. Right. Um, but I think it's taken me six months to get to the point where I can, where I know what I want to photograph to go into an exhibition to and, develop the story. And how has the photography evolved from when you first met him? Because, like, you now know him really mm. well. How does yeah. that change how you see him? Are you uh, more protective of his image? What, what What's changed, yeah. do you think? Um, just that I'm closer to him. Mm. Um, before it was a lot of images of him out on the street, his yep. daily life, but now I'm at the point where I can propose a, 
a storyline to him which is deeply personal and he has agreed to it. Mm. Um, the My ideas of the photos that I was going to use when I first started with him um, are totally different to the photos that I will use for the exhibition that I want to hold in 12 months' time. Mm. Yeah. So um, it's really grown and evolved and I guess the way you see him, the way you approach it, it's all mm. become a lot more intimate as the way that yeah. you you see him. And, you know, I, I guess that comes back to um, when you're doing a personal project, it's pointless photographing something you don't care about. That's right. That's right. Um, we have an emotional connection now, which we didn't have at the beginning. And um, reading about other photographers' personal projects, um, so such as like Alex Soth, you know, he specialises in large-scale projects and portraits of Midwest USA. Right. Um, you know, he takes he does these projects over quite a number of years and, you know, a lot of photographers do that. They may spend 10 years on a personal project. Um, you know, there was one photographer, I can't remember who it was, who rode the subway for three years, you know, mm. rode every route on the, on the New York subway for three years for his project. So... That's what I'm doing. You know, this is something that's going to go on for quite a number of years. Um, I keep saying to Des, uh, don't you dare die. You know, <laughs> I said, I said, you better be there for your exhibition. And because um, I'm trying to, I'm trying to coerce him into getting uh, COVID vaccination. Right. And he doesn't want to. Right. You know, and I say, Des, you need to be there for your exhibition. I said, I'll still have fun without you, but it will be a lot more fun with you. Oh. you know, and he laughs his head off and, yeah, so. It um, just sounds like the most beautiful relationship and the whole the whole project now is just taking on a life of its own. So you talk yeah. about the Facebook page that you created. So obviously yeah. you start that and it's one person likes it and then now yeah. it's grown and you're getting quite a lot of engagement through that um, yeah. sharing those personal stories. You put yourself in a lot of the images and a lot of mm. the footage as well. Mm. You, you started mm. – I remember when the question came in, oh, so I've decided to start doing video now. What do I do? <laughs> what, what settings? I no and it's idea. like, oh, here she goes. Video. Never done video. Right. You know, but I, I, I filmed him first off and then quickly realised that he needed support that I needed to be next to him. Mm. Um, so putting yourself on film and putting that into the public arena, you know, it's so hard seeing yourself and hearing your own voice. Yeah. But I just think, well, no one's looking at me. They're all no. looking at him. Exactly. Um, so, yeah, that's that's been a huge bonus of this project. It's forced me to do video and I'm really loving it, you know, yeah. just exploring how you tell a story. And um, I think with film, and I think that's fantastic. And I, I love watching this whole um, project 
evolve and grow. And another thing that you did, which I think is a fantastic thing, is you found a, a fellow uh, gold member to come along and work yeah, with you, is yeah, assisting yeah. In, in Sue yeah. Lennon. And, and yeah. how, how has that been for both of you? What, what oh, do you think well, that whole relationship? Well, we have a friendship now, a definite friendship. Um Oh, how did you tell? Oh, I can't even remember how we connected. I think I just sent her a message on Messenger because I realised that she lived about 20 minutes away from yeah. me and we um, started assisting one another. Um, so so you do we the, have the swap? The, the, so when Sue needs an assistant, you'll help yeah. her and yeah. when you yeah. need one, Sue will help yeah. you, which I think yeah. is a fantastic way to help each other out. Yeah. And also, like, to you, you're encouraging each other and um, holding yeah. each other to account, right? Mm. Well, she's more experienced than me, so I'm learning from her. Mm. And she's quite invested in Baba Desi's story as right. well, you know. So she's very, very happy to assist me. And I've realised the value of an assistant. Yes. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, did you want uh, so to tell me, tell there. us, t- for those who are still on the offence about yeah. having assistance, this is a fantastic way to do it when you're starting out and you don't yeah. have the extra funds to hire one is, uh, you know, offering the, the swap, like I'll yeah. help you, you help me. But how has having an assistant helped you in your photography? Okay, well... The obvious, you know, lugging all the equipment around. Yeah. You know, if you've got to sort of go to the make five or six trips to the car, come back, you're doing it in a hurry. You yeah. get you arrive at the you know the time when you're standing in front of the camera, and your heart's beating. You know, you're more anxious. So just having someone help you lug the stuff around. Mm. Um, but having her there, you know. She'll say to me quietly, have you checked your focus? What about this? Yeah. I, I think maybe you should move that. Mm. And she's just that quiet voice, like an inner voice, yeah. you know, uh, unobtrusive, but they're sort of supporting me and reminding me of the things I should be doing. Like I, I might say to her beforehand, can you remind me when I take the camera off uh, tripod to yeah. turn off the um, steady shot on yeah. the turn on the steady shot on the Sony and turn yep. it off when I put it back onto yep. tripod. Just little things like that. Um, it makes me more confident, uh, especially because we have a friendship. I don't know, you know, if I would feel so confident if I had an assistant that I didn't have a connection with. Right. Um, and after one photo shoot, I sent her a lot of photos that I just looked at and could have cried because I thought, oh, my God, you know. That self-doubt creeping enough. in. Yep, yeah, self-doubt. So I sent her a Dropbox link to them. She opened them up and at, and at the same time I'm on my computer, we're both looking at them at the same time and she's saying, well, look, you know, they're not that bad. What about this and what about that? And, you know, I think you could crop this and, yeah, so she made me see that my images weren't um, – weren't bad you know they're a lot better than what I thought they were yeah um so uh when I knew I was coming on the podcast I thought well I need to get some professional headshots done now's the time and plus I need it for a website that we're building for the Baba Desi story yeah 
So I went over to her place and we spent the afternoon laughing our heads off um, and just talking about Des and certain aspects of his life. And uh, we had a great afternoon and I think that comes out in the does. headshots. She did yeah. a great job. Yeah, uh, she ca- did a fantastic job. And, uh, you know, captured the joy and these beautiful, authentic images. I'm, I'm yeah. so – like I love hearing stories like that where, you know, people have connected as a result mm. of the either the podcast community or the goal community. It makes, makes me really happy. So yeah. – all right, so this is like a taking on this whole life of its own. Obviously, you want to have an exhibition. There's the yeah. uh, whole other side. There's the Facebook side of it. There's all these things mm. that can happen. So, Pauline, if I was to give you a crystal ball and say, where yeah. do you see yourself in five years' time? Okay. Um, well, because this personal project has really embedded myself into my local community, um, it has helped me work out what my niche is, what I really want to do with my photography, and it's a to be a documentary photographer to to document the important times in people's lives, but in my community in the Yarra Ranges. So, mm-hmm. in five years' time, I see myself as a niche. Well, before five years' time, I actually am becoming that now a niche photographer in the Yarra Ranges who captures the lives and the essence of people by immersing myself in their life, in their day, as I have done with Des. Um, Because for me, connection with the person that I'm shooting is really important. And that's what I've managed to develop and see as a of prime importance that connection with the person that you're photographing. So in five years' time, I see myself as probably still nursing. I do 30 hours a week now, mm. but, you know, in five years' time I'd hope it's only one or two days a week and the rest of the time is documenting the lives of the people in the Arrow Rangers, you know, they're very quirky, very mm. creative. Um, I am attracted to outliers, people who are, live a different life. Um, you know, the two percenters in the population, mm. that's what attracts me. And I find because my two brothers who were both outliers, I find that I can connect with people like that really well. So that's where I see myself in five years. And what do you think Michael would be thinking of all of this right now? Um, I think I think he looks down on me all the time with a huge smile on his face and um, I think he knows the gift that he's given me and I think he would be astounded <laughs> at the place that I'm in at the moment. Yeah, I think he would be astounded and just so happy that his life, which was, you know, really hard for him, 
has resulted in um, a transformation in my life. You know, like I feel, you know, the movie Benjamin Button? Mm-hmm. Did you ever see that? Yeah. That's what how I feel. That's what I feel is happening in my life at the moment. I feel like I'm getting younger. Yeah. You know, um, and, yeah, I think Michael would be just immensely proud and so happy that his life has resulted in a transformation in my life. I agree a thousand percent. I think Michael would be incredibly proud of you right now, Pauline. Yeah. And um, I am. I'm incredibly proud of this transformation, and uh, it like it is my greatest joy watching um, people like you, my students, grow and evolve like this. And uh, you know, I hope you continue to uh, shine your light on people like Des and share that with the mm. world. And I can't wait to see what you do next. So thank you so much for taking the time to chat on the podcast today. And uh, yeah, wishing you much continued success and joy, Pauline. Thank you. Yep. Thank you, Jenna. Bye bye. All right, there you go. What a great chat with Pauline Clem. I just love how she's taken to photography kind of very, very recently and yeah. you know, found the right right mentors and found the right community and yeah. uh is now doing such amazing things. And it's, you know, you can check out the um the uh Belgrave's wizard <laughs> Facebook page. We'll put the link in the show notes. He's a very, very quirky character and uh, no wonder she's doing some work uh, documenting his his life. It's very, very cool. But, yeah, I just love seeing her shots and I just love seeing how she's progressed in such a short space of time. Absolutely wonderful. Yeah, amazing what happens when you just say yes. You know, Mm. just go, let me see what happens when I do this, you know, let me just have a go at this and it's grown and I'm so excited. I'm so excited for uh, Pauline's future. Lots of uh, fantastic stuff on the horizon for her. So, yeah, thanks again, Pauline, for having the chat. Brilliant. All right. So what are you doing in the coming week, Gina? Um, All right. So... I've got uh I've got a little uh, a shoot to do this week that uh comes under the exemption so that that's uh we'll deal with that so the it's the exemption uh, for the lockdown. Yeah, yeah, so um and then back to uh living in my Do you have a lockdown wardrobe, Val? Yeah. Yeah, what yep. is it? Lululemon, Lululemon and Lululemon. Yeah, yeah, in yeah, fact, right. right now I'm pretty much wearing head to toe Lululemon and mm. Ugg boots. Mm, interesting. So uh, I, I agree with the Ugg boots, but um, getting into the sweatpants or stretchy stuff to me is a sign that I've given up. Yeah, so, but Lululemon sells more than stretchy pants. They sell like, you, you know, other things, like I'm wearing non-stretchy are yours, things. Are they, are they stretchy? No. They're not stretchy? No. So you're just in comfy clothes. Yeah, basically. Yeah, yeah. I try and um, get dressed for work so that when I'm finished work, I can change into comfy clothes so that that signals to the mind that my work day is over. So I try and keep uh, a routine. Having said that, I've now um, am stress eating. <laughs> 
chocolate bullets. So licorice oh, covered like with chocolate. That. And every day there's a new thing. Well, like you can't help it when you kind of like corner someone and tell them that they can't leave and can't do stuff. Like mm. what what what's what what do you got to do? You drink more alcohol and yes. you stress eat. And like what were you eating today? Cronuts. Yeah. So it's pastries. <laughs> it's like there's a craving for carby, sugary. That's our go-to default setting. Yeah. So. Yeah, and I have discovered uh, the wine at Aldi. (laughs) Aldi wine. So it's all class at your place, Val. Yeah. It's all class and I'm not far behind you. But I can (laughs) fix my own dishwasher, so there you go. I still take – I'm still very, very proud of that. Oh, my God, clearly. (laughs) What are you doing this week? Oh gosh, what am I doing this week? I am, I don't know, that's a really good question. I've got to fix a bunch of things. They're not the dishwasher. They're more IT related so that I can, you know, print easily and I can do stuff like that easily. Um, I'm actually tomorrow or the next day, oh no, it won't be tomorrow, so it'll be the next day, I'm doing more photography, more artwork photography. I'm getting better and better. Well, no, I'm getting quicker and quicker at it um, compared to what I used to be like, which was like, oh, my God, pure hell. Um, uh, But, um, yeah, I'll have more artwork to photograph and you know some of your tips are just absolutely spot on really really good in terms of um how to use photoshop i mean not how to but specifically using photoshop with artwork and um um and you know shooting it in raw there's the, the so much more flexibility i've worked out the kind of um um settings and adjustments that i need to do that are specific to my Photography? Yes. I mean, not photography, my artwork. Particular Um, artwork. So that it suits my kind of artwork and, um, yeah, I think the key is that I used to dread it but now it's because I've become quick, much quicker at it, it's uh, very enjoyable. You got to push through the resistance sometimes. Yes. It's like when it's new, you go, "Oh, it's going to be so oh, hard. I don't want to do it. It's so frustrating. I hate yes. this feeling." Yes. If you can bring yourself, and this is with everything, it's Photoshop, it's Lightroom, it's lighting, it's photography mm. in general. If you can push through that resistance yeah. and maybe be okay with yourself about, all right, I made a mistake. We're going to mm. get back up again, back to the dishwasher valve. I didn't get it right the first time. Could have given up, could have called the person to come next week or the week after whenever we're out of lockdown, paid the money. But no, I persevered. Mm. And what did I get out of it? New mm. shoes. So it's <laughs> worth it. It's definitely yes. worth it. So it takes so many goes of it not being quite right and you just – it's so frustrating because you can't get it right and then after a certain number of goes, you start getting it right and it's like, oh, my God, finally we're pushing through. But this is why I'm such a big believer for me and I know there's people who like to learn as part of a group, like they mm-hmm. like that, that, that social setting – but if you're like me, a bit more introverted and then you like to take your time and then you 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 don't want to like 
keep doing things in, in you know because you're afraid of looking foolish in front of other people i'm a big believer in you know learning in your own space in your own time that's why i encourage everyone who's like even learning daylight a styrofoam head on a stick take your time go lock yourself in a room where you're away from everyone else and just learn it slowly same with lightroom same with photoshop same with all of it take your time make the mistakes but eventually you'll still be lapping everyone who's on the couch in their, you know, tracky dacks and, and Ugg boots yeah. going, I don't even want to try. I yeah. don't even want to give it a go. Give it a go. You never know. Mm. Brilliant. Put that on a T-shirt. <laughs> All right. Where do we find you online, Gina? You find me at ginamilitia.com. That's G-I-N-A-M-I-L-I-C-I-A. I'm also at uh, I'm also at, at Gina Militia on all social media. You'll also find me down the um, chocolate aisle at the supermarket <laughs> getting the um, ah, chocolate-covered licorice. And if you want to take your photography to the next level, I'd love the opportunity to work with you. I can share my dishwashing repair <laughs> secrets, but also there's uh, how to improve your photography. Just go to ginamilitia.com and click on memberships. <laughs> You'll find me at Valerie Koo, that's K-H-O-O, on Twitter and Instagram and over at ValerieKoo.com and in the wine aisle at Audi <laughs> as well. <laughs> Thanks for listening, everyone, and we look forward to chatting to you again next time. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening to So You Want to Be a Photographer. For more information, free resources, and Gina's regular newsletter on everything you need to know to become a successful photographer, visit ginamilitia.com.